What an honor it is for me to be able to introduce my dear friend, Fount Schultz. I really don't need to introduce him here because we all know him. <laughs> but we are blessed that at the last minute, when Mark and Jane had to leave, that Fount had two openings during that time. So this is one of the times that we get to, that we are blessed to have him with us. So Fount? And Chad, could you get one of the ones on a stand and bring down, you want this one or one on a stand? Oh, he'll use this one. This is fine. We'll make it work. Somebody's pen. <clears throat> I had told Mark and Jane that I would not be available at all during December because we have family. We had 15 people in our home for about 10 days. <laughs> wow. And uh, some of them have to go to the airport today and some are staying a little longer. So we've had people, people, people. But when he called me, or texted me, and asked if I could take these, one of these two Sundays, which is today and the 12th, I said, either one or both, even though I told him I'm not available. Because you guys are important to me. I mean, God has done something in bonding us and that that's happening with other groups as well which I love but uh, I'm here and my family is happy to release me so in behalf of them okay I have really had trouble trying to figure out exactly how to start what I want to I know where I know where I'm going I know where the thing is but how do I get there from here? As a matter of fact, where is here? <laughs> uh, where do I start? Now, I've decided to start. Uh, I'll just tell you where we're going first. We're going to end up in Hebrews chapter 4 that talks of, or challenges us to strive to enter into rest and it goes on to say that the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. You're all familiar with that. Dividing asunder, soul, spirit, joint, marrow, and uh, bringing exposure to the deepest part in you so that you are naked and laid bare in the presence of him King James, in the presence of him with whom we have to do, uh, some of the more uh, modern versions, with him with whom we have to give an account. But I just want to say that last word in that text is, him with whom we have a word. My dad used to say to me, Fount, I want a word with you. <laughs> now... God wants a word with you this morning. 
So get ready for it. Uh, that's where we're going. So now that you know where we're going, I'm going to start with Genesis. <laughs> Genesis to Revelation today. Okay. Uh, the latter part of the first creation story, which actually goes through the first three verses of uh, chapter 2. I don't know who put the big two in there. Well, I don't remember his name, but 600 A.D. when he did it. Uh, they divided it up into verses and chapters so it's easier to find your place. Instead of right after what's-his-name did this, you know, so we have chapter and verse. But at the end of chapter 1, uh, God had put all these things together. And then in verse 31, uh, God saw everything that he had made. And he sees today everything he made. He sees you. And he's got a word. <laughs> He sees you. He said, let's have a word. He saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. Up to this point, this is good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Now, it is very good. Now, most teachings, the very good is man and woman together. No. That's only a part of it. He saw Everything. Now, I just want to say briefly, in the Hebrew language, the word good does not necessarily mean morally good. It means it is good for that which is designed for. It is useful for the thing it's designed to accomplish. It's functional. And so all of this that God made of the lumber that makes the floor, he made the trees. And he gave man the ability to cut it up into pieces and put it down and put varnish on it. I mean, everything is good for what it was made for. This is a good floor. It's not morally good. It's a good floor. This is a good ceiling. These are good lights. These are good people. Now, humanity is the only part of God's creation that can go against the good that he made them for. And we all know because Adam and Eve chose something, but we're not going there today. At least, I don't think we are. Very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And so we enter into the seventh day. Uh, thus, the heavens and the earth were made... Uh, were established. I need to get a bigger font. <laughs> Do you know the difference between a fount and a font? There's a difference. A fount overflows on its own. A font, you have to draw it out. You don't have to draw it from me. It just, it just overflowing, spills over. Okay, but I need, no, we're done with that. Okay, uh, earth was finished and the host, and then verse 2, on the seventh day, God finished uh, 
his work. And I want to talk a little bit about work, and you'll understand why when we get to Hebrews. Uh, finished his work which he had done, and he rested. Was God tired? On the seventh day, from all his work and he, that he had done, so God rested the seventh day and made it holy. Now, the word holy means it's holy because God is there. God and God alone is holy. So if God is here, this is a holy place. Uh-oh. Take off your shoes. Okay. Because on it God rested from all his work. Now, work, work, work. You see the word work there? That is the same Hebrew word for work that is used with reference to the building of the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was built as a place for the God of heaven to dwell on earth. Now, we've had several weeks where I shared with you Shekinah glory, which is heaven here, okay? So, God rested on the seventh day. He rested here with man on the seventh day. Okay. You with me so far? Notice there is no evening to this day. How many of you had noticed that? This, is, this day is wide open. There is no evening which starts the next day. And I think God wants us to see that this day is available at any time you want to enter into this day. Okay, now we go to the text, which is Hebrews, and I'm going to do some in chapter 3 before we get to chapter 4 and talk about that. But... Uh, in chapter 4, verse, whatever verse that is, 4, I guess, uh, somewhere it's spoken about God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So I want you to see that Genesis chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2 is here in the text we're about to read. So we're talking about the Sabbath rest. That's what this whole text is about. So, and I want to go backwards to uh, chapter 3, verse 13. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. Now, here's the question. What is today called? What is this day? Usually, Sunday. That's not the name of this day. That's the names the Gentiles put on it. What is, this is today. How many of you are familiar with seabed? Seedbed? Ah, uh, we got one. Okay. Uh, J.D. Watt, Watt, Walt, Walt. He writes a little post every day and uh, he calls it the seedbed. 
but for several days in a row, he was talking about this day, and he began his thing with, it's today again. What is this day? This day is the day that the Lord hath made for you to rejoice in. This day, which if you embrace it for what it is, it doesn't matter if it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. No, it's not, that's not the name of days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. In the Hebrew language, they number them. It's day one, day two, day three, four, five, six, seven. They don't name the days. Our names of the days are mostly after the planets. Sun, day, moon, day, and then some of the gods. Thor, the god Thor, Thor's day, Thursday. And I could go on. And so I don't like those names. I like today. Today. So exhort one and I'm exhorting I'm exhorting you guys today. Why? Because it is called today. So receive ex exhortation. Okay. Now let's go all the way back to verse. Mm, let's see. I think it's seven. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today. If you hear his voice, guys, today, this day, you may hear my voice or you may hear his voice. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as in the days of rebellion. Now, this is taken from a psalm. We're not spend time going over there, but uh, it's talking about the time in the wilderness whenever the people of Israel refused the voice of God in chapter 19 and 20 where God spoke from the mountain and they said, Moses, you go talk to God. God talks too loud. So I, I will listen to you. You go find out what he has to say. But they never listened to Moses either. It, it, they don't listen. Now, don't be like them. Today, Sunday the, what is today, 28th? Sunday the 28th, today, this day, if you hear his voice in what I'm reading and saying, don't harden your heart as they did. So there, there, there is an exhortation here that I think we all need to hear again today. Uh, as in the rebellion when they did all of that, and uh, it says in verse 9, uh, your fathers put me to the test. Don't put God to the test. Well, God, you said, but I don't know if that's true or not, so let, don't do that. Verse 10, therefore, I was provoked with that generation said they always go astray in their heart. It's a heart issue. Today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So they went astray in their heart. 
They have not known my ways. They know his laws. But they don't know, experience his movement, his ways. So, verse 12. Take care, brothers, which means the people he's talking to are fellow Christians who are born again. If you're not born into the family, you're not a brother or sister. Okay, you with me now? So, brothers, sisters, take care lest there be in any of you an evil. And again, in the Hebrew language, and this, the guy who wrote this, they call it Hebrews on purpose because he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Okay. Brothers, lest there be in any of you an unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Is it possible for a born-again Christian to have evil, not in the sense of morally evil, but bad in the sense of it's not functioning the way it's designed to function? It's just like good, it functions the way it's designed to function. Evil, it's not functioning the way it's supposed to function. So beware, brothers, sisters, lest any of you have, an un, uh, have one of these hearts that is an unbelieving heart. Well, I believe that Jesus is the Lord. I believe that. I believe this. I believe the, uh, that's all head stuff. We're talking here about heart. As long as it is called today, none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is very deceptive. This is good for you. It looks good. Well, just taste it. It tastes even better than it looks. Where do I hear that in the Bible? Adam and Eve, once again. Eve especially. We all, we all know it's Eve's fault, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Am I in trouble? Okay. Today, and now I'm in verse 15. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Now, that's the second time he said that. And then he says it again. In uh, chapter 4, today, if you hear his voice, and I think that's verse 7, do not harden your heart. What is this day called? Today. Today. Do not harden your heart if you hear his voice, which means it's possible you're not going to hear his voice today. It's possible all you're going to hear is my voice. Because what I'm having to say and what I desire to get across may not be for you. And so you're listening to my voice, and I don't know who I'm talking to. But I know God would not give me this word unless there's someone or several someones here who need to hear this, the voice of God in this message this is for you, whoever you are. So whoever you are today, if you hear his voice, 
do not harden your heart. And then he goes, you know, if Joshua would give them the rest, they wouldn't say there's another day. And now we get to verse 11. <sighs> Finally, we have arrived. Let us. Who is us? It's us. I like that. It's so simple. Let us, therefore, strive to enter into rest. Now, that sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? I mean, you don't rest when you're striving. Well, he knows you're not at rest. He knows that. Whoever you are, who are hearing his voice, he knows you're not at rest. Deep inside, you're not at rest. You may pretend you're at rest. You may look like you're at rest as far as everyone else is concerned. But today, if you hear his voice, don't Harden your heart. The deceitfulness of sin will tell you, you don't, listen. you don't need to listen to that. Listen to this. This is good for you. Okay. Therefore, strive to enter rest so that no one may fall. And we're not, going, we're not talking about here about going to hell. I mean, get that out of your mind. That's not what the text is talking about. It's talking about falling away from walking side by side in fellowship with God. I want that. I want to be with him when I get up in the morning, with him as I go through the day, when I'm driving in the car, uh, when I am asleep at night. I want to be with him. Him. And I don't want to fall away from being with him and him with me. So, lest someone might fall by the same sort of disobedience. Now, the word disobedience, uh, the word for disobey in this text, if I'm recalling, I didn't bring my Greek with me, but if I'm calling correctly, if I'm recalling correctly, uh, there is a word for obey that's related to the word to hear. It's actually to hear under, to put yourself under the authority of the one who is speaking these words. And so the word disobedience is connected to hearing. Are you hearing? Well, you have not heard until you start walking in what you have heard. Because if you're not walking in it, you didn't hear it in the biblical sense. Did I get over you there? Are you with me? Part of hearing the word of God is doing what you hear. Well, we don't work our way into it. I know that, but you better obey if you want to walk with him in your daily life. Doing only what Father is doing. And you can't see what he's doing if you're not in fellowship with him, doing your own thing over there. So therefore, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active. It's not something you study and capture. It's something that captures you. 
I got that. The question is, did it get you? Uh, well, let's read the rest of the text, and then I'll tell you a personal story, and we'll, we're going to get done by 12, I think. Okay. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, joint and marrow, discerning, finding out what's in there. The Word of God will cut you open and expose what's in there. Yeah. Now, I told you that we're going to end up with, I want a word with you. And that was always a threat when my dad said it. <laughs> and that doesn't say anything about me. <laughs> Come on. There was something he wanted a word with me about. And so it meant I, I did something. He said, and I did not do what he said. That's why he wants a word with me. Now, your father, God, wants to say something to you today, whoever you are. And when his word comes, it doesn't just come to the surface into your head. It goes deeper and deeper and deeper until it reaches that it wants to touch. Okay. Joint marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Well, all I said was thus and so. Yeah, but the way you said it, there was a barb in it. And he wants to expose that barb and help you get rid of that which cuts other people. All, and this is verse 13, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all. That includes me. That includes Rob. Sorry, Rob, you're in there. <laughs> yeah, it includes all of us. All are naked and exposed to the eye of him with whom he's got a word. Now, you're not exposed to other people. You're exposed to him with whom he has a word. Other people may not see it, but he sees it. And he says, today is the day I want to deal with that. Does that make some sense? I'm focusing in on that, which at this moment is keeping you from entering in to that wonderful relationship of walking and talking with me daily. Do I have your attention, the Lord says. Okay? Naked and laid bare. Now, I, uh, I recently read my journal beginning, I don't remember, way back when, and I found this little 
thing, uh, journaling about a, uh, an opportunity. Actually, it was about something that happened when I was very young, uh, probably nine, maybe 10, 12 years old, I don't remember, but uh, in my journal, I, I put this as I remembered that. I was hiding in the dark, naked and ashamed. I was afraid I would be exposed and found out. Jesus came, and his light exposed me and made me free at the same time. He's got a word. It's going to expose, but it's going to set you free. He deposited his light in me and said, let your light shine. And I realized his light has become my light. And that reminded me of uh, Isaiah 60. Rise and shine, your light has come, for the glory of the Lord has shined upon you. Is it his light or your light? Yes. Yes. I continue in my journal. Uh, I realize his light had become my light. I am an open window allowing his light, which has become my light, to shine into the dark places in my environment. I'm naked, but clothed with his glory, his shining light. Now, that was related to a childhood memory that the Lord was healing me of at that time. Now, there's, there's an interesting thing. The Old Testament especially, and the book of Revelation, we see it again. There are windows. There are doors. And there are gates. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. New Testament book of Revelation. In the Old Testament, uh, I'm thinking of, let's see, that would be Psalm number whatever. It's in, it's in the book. Uh, where he talks about the uh, windows of heaven opened up. And there's one text that says, uh, for example, who can ascend into his place? And it says, those who have a pure heart. Okay, let's be honest. There ain't none. Who has clean hands. Let's be honest. There ain't none. So who can ascend? Jesus is the only one I know of. Because he had a clean heart, he had a pure heart, and he had clean hands. And his feet were clean too. <laughs> he would clean all over. And he wants to clean you all over. Some dirt that you picked up whenever, whatever. But after that, he says... Uh, 
Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, so that the king of glory can come in. In other words, stop trying to go up there and let him come down here. You can't get there from here. But he has already come from there to here. So just open your door, lift up your gate, and let him come in. And we could go on with that. I love that text. That, that psalm is really an awesome psalm. So there are doors. A door is a place where you go in and out. You leave the house, you go into the house through a door, the building. But then there are gates. Maybe there uh, is a fence around your house and there's a gate to get in and out of your property, not just the house. So there are gates that you go through and come back in through. So the door and the gate are very similar. But there's something about the gate in those ancient cities At the gate, the gate was a very large area, and the elders of the community would sit at the gate. And if you had a complaint, it's like going to the court. You have a complaint against someone, you take them to the gate, and at the gate, the elders will say this, that, or the other about the complaint. They will make a judgmental decision. So the gates are not only a place to go in and out, they're a place to get rid of stuff, to leave stuff behind. You can't take that into the city. It's like a border patrol. You can bring this into America, but you, well, that's not true anymore. Okay, now I don't, I don't want to get political, but, but it's just not true anymore. Uh, anyway, you, you get the picture. At the border, you have to leave some stuff behind and you have to pick up some paper to take with you that says you have permission to be here. That also is no longer true. But we're not being political this morning. So the gate. Is your gate open? for him to come into that area that he's exposing this morning. That he's saying, okay, let's have a word about this particular thing on this particular day. Don't harden your heart. Open the door. Uh, A number of years ago, and I'm, I'm about done, My wife and I went with a church group to a big seminar, and we stayed in adjacent rooms. Now, if you've ever been in a hotel, motel, uh, whatever it is, there is a door on your side that is locked, and just you open it, there's another door that is locked to the other. Both doors have to be open before there can be the back and forth. Now, my wife and I are quite different here. Lock the door. That's me. I love my private time. I love being alone with my books, with my Bible, with whatever. I love it. 
but she loves people. <laughs> Not that I don't love people, it's just I, I want to have a little bit more control when I'm available to you. It's just difference between personalities. But uh, they're having a party in the other house, uh, in the other room, and so both doors are open. They went through, and uh, I closed my door. <laughs> I love alone time. I, I, that's, it's a part of who I am. It may be good. It may be bad. There's times it's good. There's times it's selfish. You see, I don't have clean hands either. I know you're surprised. It's interesting about the book of Revelation. At the end of chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, that address is to the church. It's not to the sinner. He's standing at the door of the church, knocking. Which means he's not welcome in there. Now, I know he's welcome here. But then he says, if anyone, that's the individual, hears my voice and opens his door, which means you have your own door. Each one of you have your own door, and you decide whether you're going to let him in or not. Now, with people, I keep my door closed most of the time, open occasionally, let someone in because whatever. I mean, that, that's my particular dirty hands, however you want to talk about that. But when it's the Lord, I hope. I pray, I desire that it's always open for him to come in and have a word with me. Now, I want to tell the story. Almost going to finish by 12. I was, uh, this would be probably 1975. I mean, it's 100 years ago, way back when I was young, <laughs> younger than I am now. Uh, my training, rightly dividing the Word of God. So I get my homiletical, hermeneutical uh, knife, my scalpel, and I cut this verse out. This belongs over here, and I cut that verse out, and I am rightly dividing the Word of God. <laughs> According to my training, according to what my professors have taught me, etc., etc., I'm rightly dividing the Word of God. Well, so just get this picture. I've got the Word of God on the operating table, all tied down. It can't move. And I've got my scalpel. And all of a sudden, he broke the bonds, got up off the operating table, threw me down, locked me on, and started operating on me. Uh, we can't have that. We can't have that. I know none of you have ever experienced that, right? <laughs> he started rightly dividing me. 
and taking out some things. And I can remember after that thinking, man, I'm free. And uh, he let me enjoy the freedom for weeks or months, different times. And then one day he said, let's have another word. And he cut me open, and I got rid of those five things. They're not there. But when he opened me a little bit deeper, there were ten things. Each one was worse than the original five. I never knew that was in there. He said, well, I did. So he removed those. Now, you go through that two or three times, you begin to understand his word will set you free. If you hear his voice and harden not your heart because you want to keep doing that or keep having that or whatever. So, Father God, I pray by your spirit that you will take the sword sharper than a two-edged sword. Make that cut deep into the heart of those who are hearing your voice. Cut out that which is not what it should be. Just as you did for me several times. You exposed me and set me free at the same time with your light. Let light shine here in this place as long as it is called today. Wash it out. Cleanse it. Purify. Bring resolution to that issue. Bring healing to the memory. Take away the pain. And pour in your joy, the joy of the Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, again today. Come, Lord Jesus, again today. You are the liberator. You're the one who exposes us and sets us free. Come do what only you can do. Amen. 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 So, Carol?
I don't know about you, but I need to hear, listen, and obey. And for me, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing, I can hear all the noises around. But listen, I have to tune in. I can hear the, the noises over there where the children are, right? I don't know what they're saying, but I can hear that. But if I want to hear Chad, I have to tune in and listen. And then I have a choice to do whatever it is that you're saying. That choice is mine. So I just want to open it if you're here today, or since you're here today, if you want prayer for any of this, there'll be several of us here that can pray with you. Um, But otherwise, we will see you next Sunday.